University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. Yeah, you damn right. Yes. Oh hell, I was, man, I I was up off to a good start. I'm I'm ready to go. And guess who? This damn dog is scratching at the door. Hold on. Oh god. Yeah, you came in hot. You came in like 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 fucking. It was the final lap at Daytona, and they're waving the flags and shit like that. And on that last corner, who but the worst? Our national nightmare. Fucking pixie shows up, ruining my <laughs> and, goddamn life, Coleman. And then somebody threw a dog at the car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, people, hold on. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. The more, I thought thought the dog was downstairs. The last thing I saw was her sitting on my wife's lap, and I thought she'll be cool, but she just waits. She just waits for me to start this show so she can come in here and disrupt me with these big, big, beautiful eyes. How y'all doing today? Welcome to the show. Uh, let, me, let, me, let me try that one more time. Hold on. Hell yeah. Damn right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Double Talk. I'm Corey Coleman. One half of the double. Over here is Christian Torres, formerly Horchata. How you doing, sir? Well, I formerly Horchata. Did I, uh, were my Horchata uh, privileges revoked by you? What happened? Temporarily. Temporarily. So I'm on a probation? For what? What's, what's, my pro, what's my restitution in order to get my status back? I just want a different beverage right now. I just, you know, I'm tired of Horchata. Okay, what do, you, what, what do you want? You want like a Malta? You ever had a Malta before? Malta? Yeah, the like hell is a, a I mean, I, I, this could be like a like a total everywhere Spanish thing, but it's definitely a Puerto Rican Spanish thing. And if you haven't had it, it's uh, really gross. And no one in my family would admit that. But it's the worst drink of all time. But it is another Spanish drink that I can be for you. You know what? I'll take that. Ladies and gentlemen, the grossest and worst drink of all time. Christian Malta Torres. How you doing with your nasty ass? Welcome I to will. the show. everybody. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Folks, how you feeling today? Oh, and I got 0.5 down here. This is the double, but we got 2.5. One, two, and then Pixie makes 0.5. How y'all doing today? Good to have you here. It's gonna be a good show, I believe. We're gonna do some things up here. We got some. Uh, we get. We went very political last week, but this week we're gonna return to mostly entertainment. Why? Because this is the casual discussion show of double toasted sure we have very casual discussions on all of our shows here you know everybody would say that we are somewhat very conversational with what we do but this is the most conversationalisty show that we have here on double toasted i believe 
And folks, we got a few things to talk about today. But before we do that, I'm just going to go ahead and welcome these folks in here. I don't see a whole lot of people coming in just yet, which is a good thing because you know what? I should actually, if you just excuse me for a moment, I haven't even brought them up yet. So this kind of works out for everybody. Hold on, guys. I'm going to bring you up. I'm sorry for forgetting you. Can you ever forgive me? I can't do this without you. So please don't hold this against me. Oh, give me a second here. Ain't a damn thing funny over there, Christian Horchata. No, it is uh, funny. I'll tell you why. Because you say it every week. So even if you did mean these words, even if you were truly repentant for your fucking ne- neglect, you do it every week, Coleman. I do. I do do this every week. Will I ever learn? I don't know. Will I ever learn to stop coming in here and giving disrespect to the chat fam star in the OG chat? Bringing in those visuals. Thank God it's Friday up in this bitch. And of course, we got them side bitches. Side bitches. How y'all doing? We have a dork up in here, but he's not just any dork, Christian. You know what's the difference between him and all the other dorks out there? No, what's the difference? He's quantifiable. Oh, that's right. We can, we can, we can, we have the measurements and units in order to, to really find out how much of a dork he is. We can measure this dork right here. He's quantifiable dork. Also, we have somebody named Hazel in here. Do you know what Hazel wants you to do? What? Color her. Hazel. <laughs> Color her Hazel. Color okay. Hazel. Sorry, that got weird. That took a weird detour. At least my perverted mind went to a very weird place, and I apologize, Hazel. I meant nothing by that. I meant nothing perverted. See, that's why you are, that's why you are Malta. I'm Malta today. That's because why. Because you are yeah. gross. That's why. <laughs> gross and nasty. How dare you, man. Oh, we got Austinic up in here. How you doing, man? I just saw I just saw that smile last night. Austinick was sitting in his room in the shadows. I saw none. It was like just a black silhouette and some chiclets up there. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I've seen him, his lighting looks like he's in Nosferatu or something. Yeah. I don't really understand. <laughs> he's a nice guy. He's a nice Nosferatu, but a Nosferatu nonetheless. Like he, he just walks, wanders through the hallways of his apartment doing this shit. <laughs> You know, so. Have you have you ever seen Werner Herzog's sequel to that, like Nosferatu the Vampire, yes. like in the seventies? Yes, I it's have. It's like a sort of beautiful, like you feel bad and sympathetic for Nosferatu, and it's just like just because you're in Nosferatu doesn't mean you don't have a heart of gold. Yeah. Austinic proves that. Just like you you feel bad and sad for Austinic sometimes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Let me see here. We got Luke the boss. Just talked to him last night. He truly is a boss, man. He gonna be he gonna be a manager one day. I asked oh, yeah. him, I said, what do you aspire to do? I talked to this guy last night. I said, what do you, what do you want to do in life? What do, you, what do you aspire to do? He's like, and he says something I never heard before. He says, I want to manage. I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> Maybe he didn't mean stories. Maybe he meant like, you know, when you're a coach for a soccer team over in England, yeah. they're called the managers. Maybe he wants to be a manager of the greatest football club on God's green earth, Liverpool Football Club, which if they win tomorrow, Corey, they secure their place in fourth place, which gets us in the Champions League. I know no one cares about soccer, but it's a big deal for me. Yeah. And, and Thomas Leaf. Well, you know what? I don't think that's exactly what he's inspiring to. That's, that's, that's very right. that's, that's very high. No, I think he wants to wear a blue jacket at Walmart and tell people what to do over there. He wants to tell people <laughs> right. to put well, shit on. Yeah. Very close. Yeah. Like very close. One or two. We'll he wants to tell out. people what shelves to put shit on. So, yeah. You know, modest aspirations. Swedish girl is up in here. How you doing? Yak! Is up in here. Uh, let me see. He, he said, I, <laughs> uh, "He says I want to manage 
Danielle's OnlyFans. Danielle cannot be managed anywhere in life. Good luck. Well, with I want that. to point out that what he what what they actually said is I want to manage Daniel's OnlyFans account. So oh. uh, didn't even spell Danielle correctly. Who is Daniel? Uh, maybe Daniel's an actual person who has an OnlyFans. So that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah. By the way, Christopher Juicy Hermans has has an OnlyFans too. So just to let y'all know, I was talking about Danielle's OnlyFans, and he 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 made me feel almost guilty. He's like, <clears throat> "Well, how long have I had an OnlyFans?" <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> how long have I been dressing up like a blue hedgehog and reading nasty fanfic? I'm like, okay, you're right, you're right. Well, you, look, you got to have like a real, real millionaires and wealth people. They'll tell you you got to have five, six different streams of income coming in. All right, Juicy's just ahead of that curve. Oh, you know what? Shinobi Shaw says he wants everybody to know I'm in the house. Shinobi Shaw, yes, you are. Come on in. Come on in. Take your shoes off and quit all that goddamn hollering. All right, Austin Nick is up here. Swedish girl, Rebel Reindeer, Lucky Dog Podcast, and Juicy Blinger. Juicy Blinger up in here, bringing that woo, woo, woo. Uh, can you woo, woo, woo? Do you remember that song? I'm not bringing that I, video up I again. Do, I do not, no, but it sounds sexy as all hell. Like, like please share with the class. I'll, you know what? I'll show you at the end of the show because I've been bringing this video up every day for, for everybody who has either not seen that video mm-hmm. or heard that song or not seen that video or heard that song for a long time. So everybody's had to deal with that every day. So I'm ready. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll put you on. Remind me. Remind me to do that. Can you remind me to do that? I will remind. I got, I'm setting it right now. I'll tell Siri to set it. Do you want me to do that? Do you really want me to I set really a Siri alarm? I really want you to do this, I will. Yes. I mean, my Siri is Irish and shit like that. Set you know? it up now. Let's do this. Okay. I'm going to. I mean, all right. I, want, I do not want you to be ignorant of the woo. <laughs> all the other two woos that come after. And why you do that, people? I don't think we're going to get a hype train today. I would gladly take it. I would I would accept it with open arms and legs and ass, but I don't think we're going to get that today. So we'll probably get into this in a little bit. As soon as I find out if Mr. Torres set his alarm so I can give him the woo-woo-woo. I can't hear you. We're good. We're good. Okay. All right. Awesome. Yeah, I want to put you on, man. I want, I want to imagine you. I'm sorry. I want to manage you. I want to imagine you and manage you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think you kind of do a little bit. But all right, whatever. We'll get to that later. What's going yeah. on? Oh, people. Good to have you here today. Get, I'm so glad to see all of you. Another Friday, another double talk. And what are we double talking about today? Let me see here. <laughs> Somebody started laughing, Miss, Miss Foxy, because I said I'll open that train with open arms, legs, and ass. Yes, I do. <laughs> Uh, my body, I open my complete body for you. So <laughs> I know what I said. I did not misspeak. I have not misspoken. KC1380, thank you for the woo 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 right there. Thank you for the sub. And let's go ahead and get into what this show is about today. I want y'all to look down here. I want y'all to behold all this scroll right here. Oh, look at this. Look at this, uh, Christian Torres. Look below you. Look down there. Look. Look down. Okay. Look at, okay, I got oh, it. look at that. Oh, my God. Oh, look at that. Look at that all across your chest right there. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like you're watching a home shopping network or something right yeah. now. Terrifying. Folks. Terrifying. Yeah. Yes. I'm watching this happen in real time, and it's fucking horrifying. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, technology. We're living in the future, people. Yeah, man. That, that scroll just busted into your home under all that beard right there. Can you woo, woo, woo? Uh, you know what? I see y'all. 
maybe you know what y'all don't deserve this scroll right here the moment i get up here and decide to tell you what's happening all of a sudden you want to come in here and get you know what get a little chugga chugga and a little choo choo and this man is getting ready for you too hey man give it a little time now they oh my god he's drifting he's drifting i don't know if they're gonna make it they're still at level one but i want to tell you guys tomorrow tomorrow once again we're gonna have what do you know the twitch trivia show with Corey Bott and Christopher Herman. They didn't kill each other last week. I think they can get by this weekend, too, with some trivia. We already have a couple of people who are contestants. Oh, there's a little preview of that woo-woo right there. Look at the chat. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we have a friend named Alan who comes on the show sometimes, and he looks just <laughs> he looks like that. You ever seen Alan before? No, I don't think so. Okay, well, just look at the chat. You'll see him right there. <laughs> Yeah, man. Tomorrow we have the trivia show, 3 p.m. on Saturdays, Central Standard Time. That might move to Thursdays as soon as our contract is done. And I need to make a call today to find out if that would actually work to move it on to Thursdays because the wife needs a Saturday. You know how it is, man. You're a married man. Yeah. Wives, they, you know, they, they, they usually, not even Fridays, they want your Saturdays, man. You know they want well, because Friday is a divided day. Although you, other than this, I, I give you your nights off. I feel like I'm the most uh, gregarious of all the DT co-hosts to Miss yeah. Mia because I let her have her Friday nights with you. No, that's cool. No, women say, you know what? I want to find that one day that is dedicated just to you and take it. <laughs> so, like, you know, I want that one day that you have for yourself and it's mine now, bitch. So yeah, I got to give I, I got to give myself and her probably a Saturday. But for the next five weeks. We will be doing the trivia show at that time. And a lot of people have been asking me, can I come on and be harassed and pretty much demeaned by, by a robot puppet <laughs> by the name of Cory Bot? And the answer to that is getting booked up on the next five weeks pretty quickly. Uh, we already have, I know, the next, this tomorrow's full, next week is full, and the week after that, I think, is full. And then other people are coming in. So, and it's because we have some other streamers that we have to get uh, from, from, from Twitch, like well-known streamers, I guess celebrity streamers in a way, maybe. We got to get them on. So, that's in the contract. So, after a while, we'll be able to, like, get people in. But, hey, still let me know if you want to be on the show. Just hit me up. And <laughs> bring back the teeth. Nah, man, those teeth can't come back. We had to defang him. <laughs> Corey Bob was snapping at people, man. We had to remove his teeth. He was about to take a finger off. So yeah, had to. We had to uh, just give him a. <laughs> we had to give him like an average Muppet mouth. You ever seen a Muppet smile before? Did I ever do this for you? You know, no. Show me. You want to see a Muppet smile? Look. Okay, you ready? All right. One, two, three. <laughs> is that what it is? They have to make the O to make the shape that approximates smile. Yeah, they, they, you can't see that teeth. <laughs> oh, no, okay, sorry. I, I don't know why that's so funny to me, but Jesus Christ, that broke me a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no teeth, man. So, yeah, folks, we'll try to get you in on the show and bring you in when the time is right. But I'll tell you what you can do if you would like to be on the show. If you like to be on any show, not just a trivia show, for the trivia show, what do you know? That's the name of the trivia show. Put in the subject line, trivia show, and then I'll know that you want to be on and we'll try to put you on. But you can be on any show with an email. 
just need you to pull up a keyboard and I, look, I know this is hard, but you can do it. I, Chris, Christian, I believe in these people. I know that they can type in for me. Kcoolmans at gmail.com. Oh, Corey, that's so hard. Well, look, look, let's take it one step at a time. K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z at gmail.com. See, that wasn't so hard. You did it. Look at you. Yay. Daddy, proud of you. Email us with any kind of questions, comments, compliments, insults, input, and our advice. Hit us up on those social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Type in Double Toasted. It should take you to wherever you need to go. Or type in all of that information that you see right there. Memorize it. Love it. But you got to use it. It's no use if you don't. And if you are busy using that, sending me some emails. Christian Malta Torres. You can find me on Instagram at Christian.Monster uh, uh, and Facebook Christian Leon Torres. I know some of you, but I want to know all of you. So uh, come find me. I also want to know all of you, but I don't want to know your diseases. I don't want to know your sickness. So get that vaccine up in your ass and then come talk to me. KCoolMans at gmail.com. Let us know what your plans are for Austin, Texas. Are you moving here? Are you just simply passing through? Because I... And I'm sure all of us would safely, once again, love to hang out with you. Every time it gets better. You got to keep it in those octaves until we like break glass in the studio and shit. That's what I want. <laughs> why isn't Pixie harmonizing? She could at least be useful if she's going to like occupy us. I know. Why, you know? She, why is she not howling? That's the thing. Why, why are all the dogs in the neighborhood not howling right now? <laughs> so let's see here. Oh, is there, are there any filmmakers out there? Edie. Edie. I don't know. Have you ever talked to Edie before? No, I haven't. So I guess I need to let you know that we are going to be doing a show in South Padre, Texas. And looks like that's going to be, Edie hasn't made but tell me. Edie's a friend of mine who's on the board of this film festival. Cine, not, now you probably know how to translate this. Cine Sol. You know what that means? Uh, the uh, sin, sun, sin of sun. Yeah. yeah. Movie sun. Movie sun. Well, okay. <laughs> sure. Pelicula would be, would be movie, but that's fine. Go okay. On. Cinema sun is what we're Cinema of the sun. And we're going to be there in, she says either at the end of November or the beginning of December. I'm going to say it's probably the, the beginning of December because in November is turkey time. That's, that's Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And people going to be with their families. So I'm going to say you're going to try to pick a safer spot to do that. I don't think it's going to be that last time. But we're going to be in South Padre doing a show that weekend. She was saying that they're going to get packages together for people for hotels and for the festival itself, which has been around for like 23 years. And then we're going to try to throw a party and a meet and greet and all that. So. Is, is South Padre, South Padre Island, Texas? Yes. 
Yes. Okay, that that is fucking horrifying. That looks like like Venice. It's gonna fall into the ocean at any moment. They might have shot Jaws there. I, I don't feel comfortable <laughs> in a place that small and that's surrounded by water. It might be gone by the time the the festival comes around. It might be underwater. So okay. no, we I mean, might not end up going. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what happens with that. But I'll let you know. Apparently, she's asking for some film submissions from people. Um, she says 28 years it's been going on. Excuse me, baby. So almost 30 years it's been going on. <laughs> she corrected you. I love it in real time. That's great. Yeah, she's sending me texts right now. She's sending me emails. She's bombarding my ass at the moment. So I don't know if there's any filmmakers out there. Let me know. And if you want to submit a film to CineSol, then let me know because she's asking for them. Again, but I take it that it's not some old rinky-dink Betty Boop ass film festival, <laughs> uh, poo butt ass festival because they've been around for almost thirty years. So, let me know. But it should be fun. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, we'll be on an island, probably getting drunk and hanging out with y'all. So if nothing else. There's that. So, yeah, no, I'm gonna, I'm going to Ireland for well, not for three weeks, but I'm going to, going to Ireland for. Why am I going to Ireland? Yeah. Because I can. Uh, well, a couple of reasons. I'm cheap, and it cost me and my wife round trip to go from out Los Angeles to Ireland for uh, nine hundred and eight dollars. But that's for both of us round trip. You talking about we, Ireland? Ireland, like the land of the shillelaghs and all that? Yeah, like where James, our, our boy James, lives. Yes, I'm actually going going to see James. That's the plan. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to Dublin. I'm going to do the whole uh, Ulysses thing. This is in October. This is for my anniversary. Okay. But the wow. reason I'm saying this is like I'm, I want to shoot something. I'm trying. I'm thinking of small things that I can shoot while I'm in Europe because I'm going to be there for like three weeks. And so if I don't make this festival, I mean it's a it's a annual thing, right? It's been for 28 yeah. years. She said. Yeah. All right. So I'm gonna. I'm, here's my uh, double toasted promise. I'm gonna try to like conceive of a, of a short film and shoot the film and then enter it into that two years from now <laughs> so we can go again. Okay. There we go. All right. All right then. Have fun over there hanging out with old James. What the fuck? You know, so he, James calls me up and he's like, he's like, well, you should see James when he gets passionate about something. I love yeah. hearing James talk. Oh, what the fuck? Have you seen that film? Not film, but film. <laughs> <laughs> I love no, it. No, every time I see, I talk to James like once every four months, but when we do, we'll get on a call and we talk for like three hours about everything and the amount of what the fucks that are in that conversation oh, yeah. would make me a small like millionaire <laughs> if I could quantify them. So I, I appreciate it. What? What the fuck? Film is so bad, so bad. <laughs> I mean, did you talk to him about Last of Us too? I'm sure at some point he talked to you yes. about Last of Us too. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm not going to repeat it here, but my God, like the passion, <laughs> I mean, you got to love it. That's all. Yeah, yeah, I think he is a leprechaun, actually. <laughs> Every time I say, I just see a little angry man in green, just yelling about movies and games. Oh, folks, we're going to go ahead and get into this show right here. Oh. You're going over to Ireland, huh? Going to Ireland. It's just cheap. I'm going everywhere. So what we're actually doing, and this is, tell me if this is a bad idea or not, actually. Let me counsel you, uh, get you to be my counsel. So we're literally, uh, so we're flying into Ireland, but we're going to end up going back to Italy at some point where we got married. We actually rented the villa where we got married again, and all of the people who were our wedding guests are going to come back again. And that seems kind of cool and like romantic capital R, uh, but the the actual planning of it is driving me fucking crazy, and I hate everybody. So I'm, I'm thinking about pulling the plug and then just go roaming the Irish countryside with goats and sheep for the next three weeks. 
Oh, you would go there and do some hipster shit like that. Go get drunk, man. Go then get drunk and start a fight. Do what they do in Ireland, man. Shit. But see, that's incredibly offensive to the Irish people who are who are uh, fun-loving people who may, like to imbibe a little bit, sure, but who doesn't, all right? The Irish people didn't have a renaissance like the rest of Europe. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. They're simple potato people. And that may sound offensive, but I mean it in the highest of compliments. See? They don't need all your bullshit frills. I knew you gonna think when I brought up drunk that it was gonna it was me being racist against the Irish. I get drunk wherever I go. I, you know, I would I could have told you to go over to Hong Kong, get drunk and start some shit. You know. <laughs> well, yeah, but like no one says, oh, you got the Hong Kong curse, right? Like there is a racial epithet being like, oh, he's got the Irish curse. Like yeah. that's a, you know what I'm saying? So when you start bringing that up, you you know what uh, what basketball court you're playing on. You can't you can't pretend like that history doesn't exist. My grandfather, a lot of people don't know this. You can ask my wife, my mom. My, my grandfather was either Irish or he was half Irish. Mm-hmm. And now, follow me here. My grandfather was Irish, right? Mm-hmm. Years later, generations later, I like to drink a lot. Don't tell mm-hmm. me there's no, no, there's no curse. Right, that right. That shit is yeah, real. Yeah, inherited trauma. That right? shit you're, is real. We're all victims to the wheel of time. <laughs> yeah. I, I, man, I didn't start drinking until I was 25 because I thought I could avoid the curse. But at 25, when I, the day I turned 25, the bottle was calling me, man. I just right. lifted up an air and just floated to it, man. So right. don't tell me like, there's the no fuck? curse out Why aren't you drinking? The he was getting out of you. <laughs> oh, the Irish curse is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so. I thought what you were going to say, because so my, my stepfather, uh, his last name is McDaniel, but, uh, you know, so, <laughs> but not Irish and not Scottish, decidedly, because my grandfather is like a black man. Mm-hmm. And uh, so you go far enough back. And I thought that's where you were going with it was a daily reminder of the horrible, insidious nature of owning another human being. Uh, because you're white. I thought that's what no. you were going to say. I thought that you were saying that that's you had an Irish oh, uh, hell grandfather. No. I'm talking like, about the fun-loving, awesome times of owning a bottle of alcohol. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, those are better times. Yeah, man. <laughs> Somebody said, uh, Joe Halcyon, of course, bringing back a Thin Lizzy revival band. <laughs> Confirmed. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't know Thin Lizzy, y'all, Thin Lizzy, as you know, I am black, but my grandfather was Irish. I don't ever say this because, you know, a lot of people think when you bring up, like, your your past white heritage, even though you don't look white, they're trying to think that you're trying to, like, pass or bring up some proud white part of your your your, your legacy. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that. And like, I got some white up in me. No, you, you couldn't tell. So I don't bring it up at all. Made my teeth. But. I'm looking, even my teeth are goddamn yellow as hell, so I don't even count. But then Lizzie was a black Irish dude who was a front man for a rock band. You probably heard them on, uh, during the adventures of, uh, uh, of Woody and Buzz, you know, they're doing some of those commercials that played that, that song, the boys are back in town. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. Boom, doom, 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 Oh, here they are. Let me see here. Oh, let me bring this up here. This is Thin Lizzy, y'all. This is what this guy looks like. Like I said, Irish black dude. Scott Bear today. 
Yeah, and people say, fuck that. That's a white dude with Afro wig on. <laughs> shut, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I got to say, too, you didn't get him in his heyday. I'm looking at a picture yeah. on images where he was like much skinnier and could pass a little bit more convincingly. Like in that video, that motherfucker is white as hell. There's no oh, doubt about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, shit. That, you know what? Now, I could probably do that. I could probably grow a mustache and put on an Afro wig and <laughs> I, could probably, I could probably pass this thin Lizzie. I could probably do that. Yeah, that's a that's a picture before he was uh, he was actually thinner and lizier before this. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, man. Somebody says I thought that was Adam Sandler at an angle. What? <laughs> you got range these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. They got a lot of big hits. You should listen to us sometimes. Tell you something about our big hits today. Scroll down here. I forgot to bring this up. We're going to be talking about Modoc today. Also, got some bad news for people. Frank Darabine is going to quit directing. Some people say young out there like, like who? Frank, oh, we'll tell you. Just stick around. We'll educate your little ass. And Kevin Feige says, I'm sorry for that white woman I put in there. <laughs> I didn't mean to. They made me do it. I didn't want to, but Disney said, nah, you Asians don't make enough money. So he says, but today I realized it was a mistake. The mouse won't admit it, so they put my ass out there in front, and I have to say I'm sorry for that. What are you talking about, Corey? Sorry for what? Kevin Feige can't do no wrong. What white woman? Who? What did he do? He, he oh shit, did he sexually harass somebody? Oh no, he harassed a lot of Asians probably. But you know, with this right here, it's an old story that we knew would come back at some point, and we're going to talk about that today. So that and whatever else you bring right there. And before we move on, we're about to get on with this show. Uh, let me just bring this up right here. I'm glad you're taking your trip to Ireland, though, man. I really am. I really am. Yeah, thanks. I mean, like I said, it's in October. You got plenty yeah. of time before I go to do it. No, but it's going to be cool. And I'm glad you got it cheap, too. I'm glad about that. And you know what's not cheap? What? Me. Go to our Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash double toasted. People, I do not come cheap at all. What we do here is not cheap. This man, well, he's a little cheap. I mean, but but, but but hey, but everything else, everything else, you know, this is a this is a this is a this is a crack operation we got around here. As in we <laughs> people are like, what you smoking crack right? <laughs> no, you people, this is this to keep this this operation functional like we do, it takes a little money. So go over there at Patreon, patreon.com forward slash double toasty. Get warm and toasty. Get hot and buttered. Get golden brown. And for all those levels, you get a little something. Check out the details right there, such as merch. That crispy level, you get merch every three months for a year. Got bonus streams, viewing parties, all kind of stuff coming your way. So please go there and support. You can see we got new stuff coming up all the time. I'm streaming every day now. There's so much stuff coming all the time. So people, it's not cheap. My time is not cheap. And I'm using my time every day on you. So go help us out. Keep us going over here and bringing this nice entertainment to you. What they say, content in the business. And folks, let's just say, and I'm not saying this for everybody, but let's just say, hypothetically, you didn't go to Patreon over there because, I don't know, you're a cheap bastard. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying hypothetically, you know, just you know, just in case. Well, you can go over to our Twitch channel. 
Twitch, our Double Toasted Twitch channel over here and subscribe for absolutely free. It'll cost you nothing if you have an Amazon Prime account to subscribe. You can resubscribe monthly for absolutely free. Got that Amazon Prime account. And you can also even be a better person for free. You have to be so selfish anymore. You can look in yourself in the mirror and say, I actually gave to a fellow toast today. I gave them a free sub because I had that Amazon Prime account and it didn't cost me anything. So people, help us out. Many ways to do that. And we appreciate all your support over here. Ooh, it's getting hot up in here. I got to cut this air conditioner on. Why are you laughing? It's not funny, man. I thought you were quoting Nelly, like an early aughts rapper. Like, I don't know what was happening there. No, I'm keeping on my clothes, but it is getting hot in her. I got Nest on here, man. Nest is awesome. I get to control the air conditioner from right here. And then when the wife decides that she wants to fight me on it and she wants to turn it down, I can turn it right back up over here. I I can get into an air conditioner argument with her without ever having to leave the show. It's amazing. So what you're telling me is all I have to do is like uh, hack into your phone systems and I can control the, the heat inside your house. That's what you're telling me and any aspiring hackers out there. And I can hack your door down and hack you to death for doing that. <laughs> See, I can hack you from here. You have to physically come to California. I feel like that's a stalemate, Bubby. You're not coming over here. Yeah, that's true. That is true, man. You're safe. For now. For now. All right. Let me see right here. You know... Another cool thing, another pretty awesome thing about having that Twitch that Twitch sub is that you do not have to deal with any ads. Every time I say that phrase right there, people are like, ads? I ain't seen no ads yet. Look up there. Where? Bam! Got your ass. Hitting you with all them ads. Raining ads all on your head right now. But the rest of you, it's almost like you have an umbrella. We didn't leave you. You're still here with us. You get to watch the whole thing. And when we start talking about these things right here, you don't have to miss any of it because you subscribe to us. Let's go ahead and get into some of these stories that we need to talk about today. Mr. Christian Torres. You know what I want to start with? What do you want to start with? Let me see here. I'm going to start with, can we talk about your boy Frank Darabont? Yeah, let's do it. I don't know what happened to old Frankie, man. Old Frank said, "I'm, you know what? I'm, I quit. I am tired of the system. I'm tired of the man telling me how to come in here and make my movies. You know, at one time Frank Darabont, he was he Frank Darabont has actually made a lot of people don't don't you know they some you know you need to be reminded, need to be refreshed. Frank Darabont has given us some classic movies out there, some movies that are some people say some of the uh, some of the." The best films ever made, at least one of them. Uh, the Shawshank Redemption, man. 500 yards. That's the length of five football fields. Just shy of half a mile.
That alone right there is a classic shot. Some people say, you want to know about directing? Just look at that one frame right there. That's directing. That's from a master right there. Also, it helps if you team up with somebody who just writes some cool-ass books like Stephen King. Stephen King wrote that, and also The Green Mile, which Frank Darabont also directed. And let's not forget about some of his other endeavors out there. You know, he's directed Prisoners. He's directed uh, Supernatural, big-ass black man. He has directed <laughs> Zombies. Some people say he was responsible for one of the most popular zombie properties out there, one that helped propel zombies into the mainstream even more. Why would this man want to stop doing the thing that he is not only good at but great at masterful at what's going on I'm, and i'm sad to hear about this I, I actually love frank darabont man uh we'll talk about some of his other movies later but i think frank darabont has been one of the most underrated underrespected talents ever in hollywood man right now yeah, no, I agree. I mean, Shawshank specifically, that is a movie which each time I revisit it, which I do every couple of years and I recommend everyone does, it gets more devastating and more perfect and uh, and it really deserves all the credit it gets. Darren Bounce is a, a wonderful director and has done so and I think has an, a, a really great legacy within films. But you mentioned it earlier, The Walking <clears throat> Dead, I, for as, as, as much spoof as there's been and as much parody as there, as there has been about that show – I don't think we can really go back and remember just how incredible that uh, that pilot was, that what, what what a seismic event it was in pop culture. And that it obviously continued to be because this final season is coming now. You know, um, he didn't yeah. get to see that all the way through. But I just want to point out that, like, that isn't it. That's a profound legacy. Why is he kind of uh, checking out these days? Apparently, it's it has a lot more to do with business side, from what I understand, than anything else. Yeah, yeah, and you mentioned, uh, let me see here, I'm going to, that, that, that first, you're right, that first season of, uh, of The Walking Dead, I got to tell you, just to elaborate on what you're saying, no one can prove this unless I can go back and change history somehow, but I truly believe that The Walking Dead would have gone in a much different direction had Frank Darabont been included in that show because i think he got removed for creative differences or he left for creative differences but that 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 first season of uh of that show is 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 amazing you know this is more like an origin story so the origin story is always great Seeing the story kick off is always cool. So when you watch this and you give Frank Darabont a lot of credit, then you like to say, okay, yeah, you don't want to kick it off. To kick it off, you don't know where it could have gone. But I tell you, man, I, some of the ideas that he had, the things that he was talking about that actually made him turn away from this, I do believe that you, you wouldn't have had some of these seasons where they just kind of were filler. They just kind of wondered, you know, they, they – they spent whole seasons uh, out in the woods doing nothing. You had black dudes in the show who had no reason to be there, you know, at, at all. Who you, Do you remember T-Dog on that show? T-Dog, yeah, thank you. It was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, you know, he had characters that did nothing. I mean, he, not only black, it was just they had just a lot of filler and useless things in that show. Frank Darabont was such a tight director, man, uh, that I think that, that he would, you know, under him, you would have had a tighter product. 
But anyway, go yeah, ahead. Un- under that creative stewardship, I think you would. And it's hard to prove a counterfactual, obviously. Like what, what the show did is what the show did. But I would say the attention to detail and the character um, growth in that first season showed me a lot of what I wanted to see from that adaptation. And, and like, just so we're clear on the history of this, The Walking Dead had been pitched before. It had actually been sold to NBC, if you can believe that. They were going to try to do a zombie show on national oh. like regular broadcasting. Uh, and they couldn't get it across the finish line. It was Frank Darabout who made that his passion project, who went out and flew and talked to Andrew Lincoln and convinced him to get on a plane back with him. Like, if you love The Walking Dead or if you ever have loved The Walking Dead at some point, like, the reason you love it is because this is the guy who handpicked every single aesthetic to it. He established the tone. He brought in those same actors, the right actors for the roles. And so it's like, I don't think that could be uh, undervalued. I, I think that you pair the fact that he was kind of unceremoniously taken off of that project has been in a really bad $300 million lawsuit with AMC subsequently over that dismissal and like what he's owed and stuff like that. And the fact that he's found it increasingly difficult to get any actual films produced. It's like, you you kind of get it, right? Like if you're Frank Darabout, you made the fucking Shawshank Redemption. You know what I'm saying? Like you have made great stuff. You've proven yourself and you're struggling to get meetings. You have yeah. Ridley, Ridley Scott on your payroll and you can't get people to say yes to your movies. It's insane. Yeah, yeah, man. I So is that the problem that's happening now? Because I, I just read it this morning right when I was preparing this show. And then I had to get on a call, people. I had to get on a call with my accountant for about an hour, which was it was not not a not a bad thing, but I had to take care of business. But during that call, I saw this and I was like, Jesus, I really want to read about this. I can't go into it right now, and we do have to get this show ready. But I'm sure that you read a lot more than I did. What's going on with this? Yeah, I mean, so uh, obviously that $300 million lawsuit is a thing that's stretching on. It's going to be almost a full decade pretty soon, and that's got to be a cost-efficient thing, and it's got to be a hassle. And as we know, I feel like Hollywood is a fraternity of executives, and if you're deemed trouble goods from one executive, usually that's mm-hmm. going to carry over to other decision makers in the industry. So he's not been able to get any other projects produced, and including one that was based off a Stanley Kubrick treatment uh, it was a Civil War period piece, and it had Ridley Scott as his producer, and that wasn't even getting meetings. People didn't want to say yes to that. And uh, I think it's one of those things, like when we talk about Scorsese, where he's like, well, I don't have a problem with the movies. I have a problem with the landscape that's changing as a result of the films. And I feel like Darren Bound is a director. Like, think about The Green Mile or The Shawshank Redemption. Is that a movie that fits in today's landscape? You know, even The Mist, which is a little bit more action oriented, is still Stephen King, right? Like that was way more intellectual and and like existential than a a proper uh, big action thing, because we see that from like A Quiet Place. And I really like A Quiet Place, but it also feels designed to please everybody. And The Mist is decidedly an unhappy story, you know? Well, so here's the here's what I feel about Frank Darabont as a as a talent, man. Uh, Frank Darabont was a guy that. His sensibilities kind of covered it all. He was the, uh, because he could work in several different genres, and he could work in several di- different genres and just be, and just switch tones completely, man. You know, I, I look at something like, like you mentioned, The Mist. The Mist is, is okay, first of all, The Mist is another Stephen King project, so this guy, he never, he, he yeah. can never miss with Stephen King. But also, The Mist was just, in addition to being a horror film, it was just a downright, you know, oppressive and depressing horror film. Shut the door! The only way we're gonna help ourselves is to seek rescue. Tie this around your waist. Or four. You'll let us know you got at least 300 feet. There's nothing out there. Nothing in the midst. What if you're wrong? 
The end of that movie and the human drama that goes on there, like I said, it's just, it is just so dark and so depressing that, I mean, even uh, he had to fight to get that ending on there that he wanted. For those of you who've seen it, because it was so dark. It was also something that Stephen King really appreciated. He said, damn, you made a kind of a better ending than I did. Yeah. Um, just to go to show you how insightful this guy was. But he could go and make something so dark, something so, so, so depressing but then he could turn around and make something so, so, so inspirational, so lighthearted. Uh, some people would say that, you know, they, they're used for these terms for these really lighthearted, fun, you know, uh, uh, inspirational movies, especially their period piece. They used to say it was Capra-esque, like Frank Capra from It's a yeah. Wonderful Life. He could go and do light movies like that. That's a total opposite turn, like The Majestic. What in the hell happened to you, son? Not exactly sure. Once upon a time, a stranger came to town. You have no idea who you are or how you got here? Wink. Only to discover he might not be such a stranger. After all, I don't even know who I am. It's Luke! Just look at him. Look at Jim! Look at Jim! Man, that's such an underrated movie. You look at that and you understand how underrated Jim Carrey is as a dramatic actor, man. Everybody wanted Jim Carrey to be funny, and he had that kind of face that just people just said, you know, so rubbery. I want to see you do something silly with it. I want to go see you hang out with a fucking hedgehog and dance with T-Rexes and shit. You know, uh, that movie showed further how underrated Jim Carrey is as an actor outside of comedy. But it also continued to show how underrated Frank Darabont was just as a multi-talented guy who could take on different tones. And so being that he was somebody who, and this is what I think, man, I think being somebody that just, you know, he was not always in the forefront of directors with people. He wasn't always somebody that's talked about like Spielberg or James Cameron or some of the younger people that are coming up today now working with Marvel. You know, so he's just kind of put in the background. I think when you're somebody like that, you're not get you know, you don't have, if you're not the hot name in town, you're just not get, being able to get projects made. And let's not, forget that now i mean listen i'm not one to blame superhero movies for the downfall of hollywood like a lot of people want to but i do believe that for some of the projects that he wanted to make uh it probably would be a little bit harder now even though i would man here's, here's the only thing that upsets me about hearing this news i would not i would not give up on directing i wouldn't retire unless he's just tired unless he's just tired and wants to move on with his life but shit man go to go to some people that would give you some creative freedom go to netflix you know, yeah. go to Amazon, uh, go to these places where maybe you're not getting a big theatrical release like you envisioned, but you are getting a lot more creative freedom that you don't have to deal with in Hollywood that, you know, and it's an area that's actually making uh, uh, creators feel like they have a, a lot more freedom. That's what I would do. I think there's some curious stuff going on that maybe we're not all privy to. And this is why I think when I was talking about the AMC lawsuit, I think maybe that has a much worse effect than many outsiders would think just because like look in addition to all the movies that he actually did he did like rewrites on saving private ryan for spielberg he did mm -hmm. rewrites on collateral for michael mann mm, he I got ridley that. scott who, say again i'm sorry. I'm sorry i didn't know that 
Yeah, yeah, no, he did rewrites on that. And 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 the, what I'm saying is he has these relationships clearly with people who have ties to these big streamers. Maybe not Spielberg because he's, you know, anti-streaming. But Ridley Scott ha does has Raised by Wolves with uh, HBO Max. And Michael mm -hmm. Mann has t uh, Tokyo Vice coming out for HBO Max. And so I look at the amount of, like, relationships and other projects he's touched tangentially. And I'm like, why can't you get anything made? Now, I do want to say he did say one other thing, which is like, I don't know. I'm like, he's 62, which is way younger than I think you would think looking at pictures of him. You know, you're <laughs> yeah. like, he's bald. He could be like 80 or something. But, but yeah, it's like, I think on top of, you know, if you look at the quote here, where he's like, look, we had so much pedigree and it's like Kubrick and Scott and all that stuff. If he, if he's having such a hard time getting stuff like this made with this kind of a creative team, uh, I think he's, he's made comments about, it. he's like, I'd rather just spend the next, I don't know, 20 years of my life, like with my family and doing good stuff that I can actually like care about and I respect that don't get me wrong but I just think that's a really sad thing that I think one of the most unique and creative uh, filmmakers is is sort of put into into a box of forced retirement because he doesn't see it as a worthy fight anymore and one last thing about the Stephen King of it all because I think this is a really good point we've seen how many billions of Stephen King adaptations and very rarely are they good unless someone has a grasp on the material and I think like I'm a big uh, defender of uh, Dr. Sleep. I believe you liked it as well. And so it's like Flanagan is one of those people who he's made a couple of these Stephen King books now into films. And I feel like he understands it. Before that, I think the only other filmmaker who nailed it every time was Frank Darenbaum. I think the three films he's made have all been wonderful and have a, a lot of the times elevated what the source material was. This state. Questions. Do you leave the light on after bedtime? I know violent men, I deal with them day in and day out. There doesn't seem to be any real violence in him until he kills a couple of little girls. That movie I have major, major problems with, mm -hmm. but I can tell you, I'll watch that any day if I ever need some inspiration for direction. You know, like as far as directing, if I ever need to look at something for you know, uh, somebody who's uh, who on the technical side is is greater directing. I'll go and watch that movie. That movie's uh, so well made, and I'll, I'll you know I'll go and look at it for that, even, despite my problems with it. But a lot of that falls on Frank Darabont's directing talents, man. Right. You know, I'll yeah I'll, I'll watch that anytime. Uh, That's what I'm saying. He sort of elevates it from, and and I'm I actually do like the Green Mile book, uh, the serial, because I read it when it came out, like in pieces, and I, and I'll say that I like it, but I see the problems with it, and that's kind of my point is that Darabont was able to sort of elevate. I mean. The problems with it are still there, but I think he's able to focus it on a more character prism. And that way you like focus in on the, the sort of tapestry that's being put in front of you. I love that film in totality. I think it's one of the most beautifully directed films out there. And it never gets mentioned in that category of films, you know? Yeah. No, it's a, like I said, I, I, I look at all his films and if you, if you were to sit down and watch all of them together, one thing, one of the things you'll see is that he, he knows how to, first of all, yes, he knows how to direct. He knows, I'm sure he works with his editors so that he knows how to weave scenes together because I've never seen one of his movies just cut abruptly to something else. Everything is seamless. I'm telling you, if you watch a, a, a marathon of his films, you'll notice that those movies move so smooth. But he is so great with characters, man. He is so great with actors. And I just, you know, it's, it's really sad for me to hear that, man. It's almost like I hear about somebody dying because he was, he truly was, the, he, he is one of the greats. And I just hope that he has that, that, that heart of a creative where it's like, or that mind of a creative where it's like, man, yeah, I say I'm going to stop. 
And he's going to go home. He's going to start sitting on his ass. He's going to start hanging out with the family and everything. He's going to be like, you know what? I love y'all, but fuck y'all. I got to get back. To, <laughs> I got to get back to work. I got to. I have stories I still have to tell. I got. They, I just don't feel right unless I, I'm behind a camera. Or I'm writing something. I hope yeah. that he 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 does that because I still think that it, it, with him having these wide gaps between projects, I said he's going to hit on the big one at some point. It's something that's whether it's on. on a streaming service or it's at the theater or it's a TV show or whatever. He's going to get back in there and this that's going to be his big great thing before he leaves his planet, man. Great guy too, by the way. I I did an interview with him years ago and it was it was for The Mist. It's great. And I remember he was man, he was cool. Like there were there were some people who were we were talking and there were some people who were walking by. They were, you know, they were doing the filming. They set up cameras and everything, and they were and they they were doing their jobs. But I remember he talked and he, he stopped them and he said, "Hey, hey, hey, y'all, look, I'm talking some real shit here. Y'all, <laughs> y'all stop distracting, <laughs> you know." And uh, and somebody tried to wrap him up, and they said, "Your time is done." He's like, "No, no, you know what? I love talking about this stuff. I, I'll let you know when my time is done." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he he was real cool, man. He was and even talking to him at that time, you could tell that. Talking about the movie, how much passion he had put behind it. He even took he even took to heart. I mean, he laughed about something and said, "That's a great point." There's, do you remember in Do you remember in the mist? So <laughs> there's a part in the mist where there's a little bit of a spoiler, but Andre Brower he leaves and he mm-hmm. said, "Who's with me?" And when he walks out, all the black people leave with him in <laughs> the grocery store. And I asked him, I said, man, I said, when Andre Brower left, left, I said, why did all the black folks just leave too? I said, was that intentional? Was it like, was he the king of the black people in the movie or anything? He's like, he's like, oh shit. He's like, I did do that, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) At least he was good. See, I fucking love that. He's owning up to something. That's amazing. Good for that. I said, why all those black people leave at the same time? He's like, did they? Oh, Jesus, they did, didn't they? I don't know why I did that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was like, man, that's when I said, this guy is this guy's awesome. But I always had a lot of respect for him before, man. Do you think it's just, do you really think that with him leaving, do you, so he, he can't get his projects made? Do you think it's Hollywood or is it something else that's going on? I really want to believe that it's Hollywood closing doors for people, which we know that they've done for a lot of people, right? Like there's still an unofficial blacklist. There are people mm-hmm. that we say we're not going to work with. And like, here's the thing. Remember when uh, Trank was going to do Star Wars, then Simon Kinberg would like told them all of his behavior on Fantastic Four. And, and then he lost yeah. a job that was not related to Disney in any way at the time. Now they are. Uh, so I, 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 100%, I 100% believe that happens all the time. And I'm sitting here just looking at the amount of talent and like friends he has in Hollywood. And like Stephen King's at the, having a high point of his career right now too, right? Like at least theatrically and film adaptation wise. And yeah. so it's just like, yeah, man, I don't know. If you got Spielberg, if you ghost wrote on two Spielberg films, a Michael Mann film, a Ridley Scott film, and you got Stephen King in your corner and you're still not getting shit made, that's because people high up don't want your films to get made. That's my that's my only thought. I mean, I could be completely uh, conspiracy theorizing this, but yeah. that's what I think. And it's funny because you know I love superhero stuff, but I would just feel sad if this man did a superhero thing. 
just to get back in the game. Yeah, like, I we gotta feel- hire an old pro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I would feel like, man, you just this guy. He's just directing a superhero movie, like you said, just so he could get something right. else made or get back in the game or get a job. It's just there's so many people making superhero things today, and I'm just like, man, yeah, this is this is the one. This is the one moment where I would say, yeah, you hold, you stick to your own, man. If you, the only thing you can do is a superhero movie right now to get back into it, then fine, go hang out with the family. You know, fuck this. It's- I don't know, man. Frank Darabont's Howard the Duck might be cool. He might find a real entry point into that emotional arc, like Howard the Duck's on death row or some shit. I don't know. He likes prisons in his films. And I'm I think a, we can mix those universes. I'm a Howard fan anyway. If he made a Howard the Duck movie, I guarantee you it would be brilliant. All right, we're starting that rumor here. We're going to be traced back to to this origin point. But yep, I heard. I don't know about you, Corey. I heard Frank Darabont uh, took a meeting for Howard the Duck. I'm starting this rumor right now. I'm just maybe I can get him back in the game by starting. So maybe, for, maybe somebody's coming to the, into the to the show right now, ladies and gentlemen. Big news: Frank Darabont is directing Howard the Duck, the reboot, the one. Yeah, the the. It's the, the events that take place right after Endgame when Howard was out there, that little gun <laughs> waiting on Thanos to come in. <laughs> Yeah, man. Sorry, it's most ineffective. I remember that shot all the time. And I'm like, what are you going to do, Howard? You ain't going to do shit here. Come on. No, he's, he's, he, what he, he didn't even look excited. He just holding right. the gun. But Frank Darabont is going to make it exciting. It's going to yeah. be him. It's going to be a deep story about him having PTSD after the events of Endgame. But he can't get respect and he can't get benefits because he's a talking duck. People, this is going to be a great movie. You heard it here first. Breaking news. Frank Darabont is doing Howard the Duck for Marvel. I can't wait, man. I'm excited. Excited for this. Aren't you excited about this? I mean, I, it's, it's my most anticipated film of 2023 or 2024, whenever it gets slated, but it's going to be the greatest film of all time. And what I think is eventually we're going to shy away from these team-up films. The Avengers will be a thing of the past, and the event films will just be Frank Darabont, Howard the Duck sequels. Yeah. Well, yeah, people. It'll happen. It starts here. Let me see here. But Desla said, Frank Darenbott said it was the nature of Hollywood today, saying that superhero movies are all they're making now. Echoed Scorsese in saying that they shouldn't be considered art, not like in the past. Now, did he really say that? I didn't see that quote, but I did hear him say, I, I heard him talk about superhero films in terms of that's what the studios are making. I didn't hear the him uh, sort of delegitimizing its artistic merit. Did did he did he really say that, y'all? Because if he did, I just kind of switch gears real quick. <laughs> I don't want to no, hear that on, shit. I, I, we I have this debate all the time, Corey. But I think it's like Scorsese and Darabont are not one hundred percent wrong. They're not one hundred percent right either. And I think we have to admit that. But like any genre, uh, there are there are incredible highs and then there are incredible lows. The difference is that superheroes are the most impressive and the most successful genre in recent memory. So, of course, it's it's the thing most people are mad about. Let me see here. Darabont, this is from Bodesola. So, I, if this is true, he says, from Darabont, from Frank Darabont, they're making superhero movies, Marvel movies. They're making things for the 12-year-old comic book collectors. Are they making any movies anymore, really? My thesis is this. It was the art form of the 20th century, but now in the 21st century, it's just another venue for distraction. It's one of a thousand different ways that the public and the audience can distract themselves. You can find some good stuff, absolutely, and a lot of good writing immigrated to television. Vince Gilligan's, and he said, I guess it goes on, but we don't have that right there. Listen, you lose me when you bring that comic book shit up. I don't want to hear that. 
I don't, you mean comic book, the fucking capes and superheroes and tights ran your ass out of the game? Fuck that. Fuck that. I'm saying this for this man's good right here. No, fuck you for that. Stop blaming that shit. That's a scapegoat. All you old motherfuckers out there talking about comic books and comic book movies putting you out the game, fuck you. No, no, no. These people are way too talented and they're way too smart to be talking that shit, man. It's just an easy thing to point at and say, it's bitches your fault. No, fuck you. No, get your ass up and make another fucking movie or write another script, man. The thing is, the reason why I don't buy this, I'll tell you why. And it goes back to what I said earlier. Okay, maybe you don't have that big silver screen anymore. I get the disappointment. Fine. But artists today, directors today, writers, creatives, a lot of those people, have they have a freedom now that they didn't have for years thanks to some, some of these streaming platforms. Scorsese, yeah, he said what he said about comic books and comic book movies, and I think that shit is... You know, if I, if I read it like I read it, I think that shit is completely misguided. But what did he do? He didn't sit back and say, oh, well, fuck y'all, I ain't doing nothing then. He went over to Netflix and said, fine, if I, you know, if I can't get in here because goddamn Batman and Superman in the way, can I make my movie over here at Netflix? And they gave it to him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, the worst part about – I'm going to push back a little bit. The worst part about Scorsese, though, is that he talks shit about the big-budget action picture films and stuff like that, but then takes literally the same amount of money to make, in my opinion, mid-budget films, right? Like, I love The Irishman. I thought that was a really good movie. That shouldn't have cost $200 million. And the new one he's doing, Killers of the Flowers Moon, is also going to cost $200 million through Apple. So I get annoyed by that because it's like how many of these smaller films by, like, uh, you know, directors like Frank Darabout would get made – if we weren't putting all price tags at $200 million. Um, I do agree with you, however, that I think it's like, look, the, the truth is there's always gonna be the new guard and it's really incumbent upon how you react to that. Like if mm -hmm. in that same interview, he's saying Vince Gilligan, great writing went to television. Well, there you go. You move to yeah. television. You 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 decide that you're going to utilize the new formats in which dis things are being dis uh, distributed. But you yeah. don't sit there and then wholesale blame fucking uh, superhero movies for your work not getting made. You don't want to adjust to the times. That's the problem. Yeah, I, I'm gonna tell y'all, man. Irishman, I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was epic. I thought it was all right. Just run a tough guys around here. Did he tell you? not afraid of tough guys, are you? I didn't think so. You know what? Like they're saying, one of Martin Scorsese's best films ever. I think that's just riding on the reputation of Martin Scorsese and his legend. No disrespect to the man at all. Of course, he's a legend. He's a master. I'd, I'd kiss his ass any day. But regardless of what I think about that movie, I thought, you know what? He said his piece, and then he went, and he made it. You know, he, made, he went, and he stayed creative. He went and made his thing. So... Cool, you know that's that's I, I got no problem with that. We disagree on something, but he's doing his craft, and that makes me you know just disappoints me. I'm being selfish right here. It just disappoints me when you you know I'm already disappointed that Frank Darabont, somebody that I love and hugely respect, is uh is is, is saying I, I'm going to retire. Okay, that's selfish on my part that I wanted to continue. But the you know don't pull that comic book shit out, man. Comic those superheroes ain't stop you from doing a goddamn thing. Yeah, but, but Corey, so hold on, nah, man, you can't have it both ways though. You talked about the Majestic earlier, which I agree yeah. is a supremely underrated film. That movie is a type of movie that does not get made anymore, and you know that. Like the idea of a mid-budget film 
that doesn't have multiple bankable actors or set pieces baked into it is not a thing that studios are clamoring to make anymore. So uh, that's what I'm saying. So like you can, in one hand, blame superhero films for the marketplace about what's getting produced, but you can't sit there and blame them for nothing getting produced when you have all these different avenues in which to produce stuff now. I've, you know what? I disagree. I disagree oh, in the sense okay. that... Oh, we we're going to get into 50 cups today. Yeah, okay, this yeah. is good. Yeah, come on. Bring that shit on, man. You know, you want to... you going to Ireland. I can <laughs> fight like a fucking leprechaun. Hold on. Hold on. Let, me get my, let, me, let, me, let me get my drink over here. <laughs> no, man. I, I, I disagree in the sense that those movies probably could not get made today and probably not for a while. Even this did not do very well at the theater because those kind of movies were just going out of style for some reason. I don't know why. I can't really tell you why this didn't work out. But could this get made on Netflix today? And could it get probably a better audience on Netflix? I mean, what are we looking for here? Are we looking are we looking at are we are we measuring success by how many people we put in the theater? Are we measuring success by we got a project done and we got the audience to watch it. You know, the majestic could very much be made today on Amazon, on Netflix on Hulu or whatever. There's a lot of avenues for this movie to be made and will probably do better than what it did back in the day. But I, that's just me. Fuck you! Yeah, I, no, okay, I'm no, kidding. No, I mean, like, the thing is, I feel like we're, we're just hitting an impasse, you know? We're going to hit an infinite egress in a second. I mean... The, the fact of the matter is I agree with you with all the other, um, you know, streamers and the, and the amount – like we've never been in a better position. Listen, anyone listening to my voice right now, if you have an idea, go write it because there's never been more people buying more content than right now in history. So that's why, again, I think this has something to do with Hollywood. But two, I do think that it, it says like that's for serialized sort of uh, entertainment. And I don't know if that's the kind of stories he wants to take. Uh, and that's on him, right? He's making a yeah. personal decision that, like, well, I don't want to make TV. And I don't want to make miniseries. I want to make pictures like I used to. Uh, and I feel like that is a much harder thing to be made now. And, and even when you talk about Netflix and Amazon, think about the movies they're making. They're not smaller films like that, generally speaking. There's things with built-in. They're targeted at people specifically. Uh, you know, well... First of all, you said they're making shows. They make plenty of movies. They make plenty of movies. Yeah, but, the, but okay, so like uh, to all the boys I loved, whatever, not not our audience group, but certainly a sizable chunk of their subscription base, right? They know what they have. They're going to flock to something like that. Uh, Enola Holmes, right? Like they do these things. That has a very specific audience. When they do action films, right, with Ben, what was the Ben Affleck and J.C. Shandor one where they were like in Columbia or some mm. shit? I don't even remember. But when they do stuff like that, like they're very calculated sort of like we're going to put a lot of money into this because we want people to watch it. Bright is another example, right? It's a genre yeah. film. So I don't think that they're going after things that are going to have like, oh, people who really love old old cinema are going to shell over that money for an, a majestic in this day and age. I don't think it's as 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 generous as that anymore, Corey. Yeah, you don't. I think that if they had pulled a star in, because we all know it's about star power. If they pull somebody in who can back the project up, because they have put on some some movies, and there's been some films on there where I'm like, wow, that's number one. Uh, I mean, this one wasn't made by Netflix, but it was pulled over by Netflix, like The Woman in the Window. You know, well, I guess you're right in a sense that's a thriller, but this yeah. is a, <clears throat> but this right here, you know, being a a a, a light period piece. With a big with a big name in it, I think like yeah, Netflix is all about pulling names in. If they if they have somebody a director with a name, they have an actor with a name, and they have something that seems like you know they can position to the right demographic. In this case, it's uh, people who probably love that actor are you know people who love dramas, which they still make dramas. You know, I think that they can they can they can do it. 
I, you know, my, basically what I'm saying is, man, I mean, think of the Irishman. They did the Irishman. The Irishman is still somewhat of a drama. I, well, and I thank you for bringing this up because someone just asked about Mank and what category that is, is Netflix trying to legitimize themselves at the Oscars, right? So they're giving reputable people, David Fincher, Martin Scorsese, they're mm -hmm. giving them money to make dream projects because if they pull in an Oscar with them, it legitimizes them. In the same way, even though House of Cards completely fell apart, when House of Cards won that Emmy, that was the moment Netflix became Netflix. Think about how much money they got to produce new content at that point. So even though it's not a genre genre, it is the Oscar bait genre that Netflix is trying to encroach on. Well, they did that, but somebody in the chat mentioned they did that black and white movie with uh, John David Washington. So they, they take chances, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right, I'll give you that. But <laughs> even that, how much do you think that cost them? You know what they, I'm But saying? you're right. Like, but, but you know, I think they, even, they could probably push like, all right, we had this, we have this feel-good movie from you know this 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 award-winning director. They could position themselves to say, all right, you know, we we might even win an award, but we can definitely get some hype behind this. Uh, yeah. You know, I I don't know. I mean, listen, I I think we're disagreeing more than we want to because my whole <laughs> you know because I because I, I understand what you're saying because yeah. basically my argument goes down to if you want to really retire and you just want to leave the business. To go be with fam, or, you know, go go take a rest or whatever. Then I, I get that. But if your thing is, you're blaming the 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 the, the, the latest popular scapegoat, which is superheroes. I nah, man, nah, nah. I'm not buying that. I'm not even buying that because I love superheroes. I'm not buying that because that's too easy. And you still have an outlet as an artist to probably, especially make like you said it yourself. You got Stephen King. You got you you have Ridley Scott behind you. You got any you got numbers of of actors who still want to work with you. Ah, yeah, I'm not I'm not I don't give me anything. Give me anything but the superhero excuse. I don't want to hear that shit. Let me let me let me finish this conversation with this one question. And this isn't me being an asshole. This is me actually asking and toasting this question. Uh, when well, usually when I'm going to be an asshole that, right now. <laughs> Usually when I preface it like that, I'm about to be an asshole, but I'm not being an asshole. What I would ask you is like, think about when in history and films have we ever had a moment as ubiquitous as superhero films. And what I mean by that is even when mm. horror films became horror films, we didn't stop making dramas. We didn't stop making comedies. We didn't stop making all these other movies. Right. So I'm just trying to figure out what's another analog in time where anyone else, any other filmmaker in history could have pointed to like I'm retiring because all they make is these horror films like that doesn't exist. Right. Yeah. Like we can admit that. That like, and Emily Blunt was saying it last week. We talked about it. That it's not just in our movies anymore. It's now in our TV. It's now invading podcasting. It's doing all this stuff. And so, I just, I, I don't think we've ever been in a time like this. I think it's unprecedented. And, and I both agree and disagree with you fervently, Mr. Coleman. Hey man, I want to end this, but I got one more thing I want to throw back at you about that. Man, this and and by the way, this right here, I you have a stronger argument because I can't prove this right now. You have. As they say, the receipts to to prove and back up what you're saying. <laughs> All I have is is a guess. Uh, I wonder if we went back to when they were making Star Wars and the blockbusters start coming up. I wonder if there was an argument then where people were saying, well, now these... You got all these special effects movies in here. You got all these, you got all these spaceships and things coming in. You know, they people don't want they don't want dramas like they do anymore. 
They don't want they don't want mature movies anymore. You know that that Spielberg kid came in and ruined everything. The Star Wars came in and just changed everything. Everybody wants to fly a spaceship now. Everybody yeah. wants to be an alien. You know, I, I wonder if that. No, that's, I, that's a really compelling point. But I would but I would wager that maybe there were fewer and fewer mid budget movies going on, but it didn't kill entire genres, right? Like, but mm. but I do I agree. That's a really good counter argument. But I don't know if that's the case. I'll, well, I'll, I mean, we can figure it out, right? Like 75 Jaws comes out and then 77 Star Wars comes out and then you can sort of track every big production budget after that because that those are the films that prove yeah. the concept. So, yeah. Okay, well, you know what? <clears throat> this might be a stalemate. Uh, uh, what? No, no. I, 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 We might disagree on some points, but we do agree very much on other points. And I'll end this by being very cool. I mean, no disrespect to Frank Darabont. Most of this has come out of frustration because I'm so sad that he's not going to continue to direct anymore because I think he's an amazing talent. I think his movies are incredible. I think his direction is incredible. And, I, you know, I, I might disagree with him on the superhero thing, but I hope that we can see him again, man, because I'm actually I'm saying all this because I very, very much respect the man. So there yeah, you go. I, and, and, and young, man. 62 is not old. And, and I, have a fi- I have a thing. When you're a storyteller, it's not something you do by desire it's something you do because you don't know how not to do it and i sincerely hope he gets the bug again and finds ways to get stuff produced completely agree 100 100 all right well let's move on to this thing and see how much we agree and disagree on this so this is uh just making the news and something that i knew would not go away. It was quiet for a while. But once these Asians start coming in and making money, I said it's only going to be a matter of time before we hear about Dr. Strange again and Tilda Swinton. And y'all like, oh, shit, what now? These Asians are getting what they want. They're getting movies. They're getting money. They're getting respect. You know, the government's on their side now. What's the problem? Well, let's take it back and refresh this a little bit. Uh, let's go back to the first Doctor Strange. It all started with that white woman, the you know, the bald headed Karen right here. <laughs> uh, they, she came in, asked for the manager, and took everything. And while she was there, pretty much came in and they say stole Asian culture too. You're a man looking at the world through a keyhole. Have you spent your whole life trying to widen that keyhole to see more, to know more? And now, on hearing that it can be widened in ways you can't imagine. You know, I always thought it was weird because she's like a mega-wish kid or something. And plus, you can see the seam on the ball wig <laughs> going right. on right there. But she looks like one of those hairless cats to me. That's what's weird. <laughs> yeah, you shave her hair. She looks like she'd be, she, 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 she should be one of those elves serving at, the, at Hogwarts or something. <laughs> but <laughs> hairless cat. But... The problem with that now was that it took a while and we knew it was going to go away until somebody somewhere apologized for that, for appropriating Asian culture. And the man to come out and do it is Kevin Feige, because a lot of people said at the time, they said, you know what? Even then, they were saying, you know, Asian people are underrepresented in, 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 in all forms of media. You know that. We've been talking about, even if it's, if it's through another race or whatever, we've been talking about the appropriation of culture. Why are you doing this shit right here, right now? So he finally came out and said, you know what? All right, all right, all right. Shit, fuck. All right, four years later. I'm sorry. 
He says, we thought we were being so smart and so cutting edge. We're not going to do the cliche of the wise and old, wise Asian man. But it was a wake up call to say, well, wait a minute. Is there any other way to figure it out? Is there any other way to both not fall into the cliche and cast an Asian actor? And the answer to that, of course, is yes. Now, on the one hand, I'm going to pass this on to you, Christian. On the one hand, I would say that, okay, yeah, you in a tough position because you didn't want to do what we now know as the Fu Manchu. You know, you didn't want to bring in the old guy coming out talking about Hassal. You know, we don't we we know what you were what you were saying. But this is where this is where slightly and I'm not and I I'm being careful how I use these words because of course I don't think Kevin Feige at all is racist. I'm not gonna even say that. But this is where casual racism and conditioning of society comes in. Because his first mind, his first, his first thinking, this is some, you know, sort of a casual racist way of thinking. His first thought was, oh, if I can't cast, and rightfully so, if I can't cast an old man Asian stereotype, then, well, shit, I guess I can't do nothing, you know, so let me go ahead and cast a white woman. And it's like, because I remember talking about this, and we'll talk about this in a little bit when I hand it off to you. I remember thinking, well, why can't you just give it to an Asian person and not make them a stereotype? You're right, because that's too much to ask for. This was 2016, all right? Like, lest we forget, we're living in Five the years ago. 2021, but this is 2016, Corey. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. What I would say is this, is that I don't think that Kevin Feige is like a super racist or whatever, harboring any of that. But I do agree with you that it was this idea that like, oh, well, we can't do the really tough thing, so why don't we pat ourselves on the back for diversity and cast a white woman? Didn't really work out for me. And like you said, it's perfectly fine to, I don't know, put an Asian person in there and just not make them an Asian stereotype. I want to believe that I think like, oh, there was a, there was some fervor about it and people were mad and then he listened and, and then they didn't make that mistake again. But let me tell you something. As you know, I missed, uh, I missed a show two weeks ago because I was in Brooklyn and I yeah. got home from Brooklyn at 3 o'clock in the morning and I was a little drunk. And Avengers Endgame is on. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't watched this since this came out. Let's watch Avengers Endgame. And there's a scene where the fucking Hulk goes and you see the ancient one again. And this was three years after Doctor Strange. And I'm sitting here being like, well, maybe the lessons really weren't learned, Corey. I'd be careful going that way. We just had the floors waxed. Yeah, I'm looking for Doctor Strange. You're about... Five years too early. Stephen Strange is currently performing surgery about 20 blocks that way. What do you want from him? That, actually. Ah. <laughs> yeah, I want to get that costume to an Asian person. You know, <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand at this point what happened when they got to Endgame because not that I'm even making excuses for this, not, not one bit, but what they did was, and see, this is what happens, man. You know, this is this is Marvel being a victim of their meticulous planning. Mm -hmm. You know, Marvel is praised, and again, rightfully so, for being so forward-thinking and, and, and being ahead on their storytelling and planning so well that they put, you know, at this point, it was to a fault. They painted themselves in a corner. You know, at this point, you had, uh, what could they do now? You know, they already had this here. 
it's all part you know this is this is something that they were probably even filming ahead of time and getting ready to, to put in place so you're stuck with this character as it is and you know this is a lesson of why you are thinking ahead and why you are planning ahead think about how some of these decisions that you make are going to come back and affect you later because at this point, they were stuck with it. Now, now that we have a multiverse, you know, now that we can play around with time and space and everything, they could probably go in and fix that. But at that moment, I can understand why it was just not an easy thing to do. Because if they even had changed that for an Asian character, even people who were complaining about Tilda Swinton being in that role, they would be complaining that on the other end, saying, "Well, geez, you know, that's 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 just now so it's pandering. St- that, yeah, it's yeah. pandering exactly. I was pandering, and plus, it doesn't make sense. You know, it's just oh wow, that was just sure. an Asian dude." Here's my here's my pushback to that, uh, and you and I want to give you two examples: one that you're going to have an immediate answer for, and then another one that I think is better. All right, so like we recently got into a fervor this last couple years or this last year during the pandemic with uh, white actors voicing uh, people of color in cartoons. Right, mm-hmm. we saw it with the Cleveland show, we saw it with that Big Mouth show where Kristen Bell left her yeah. position on it. Uh, well, that's Central Park, I believe. She also left. So my point is this. The, we sort of get it on there, but you're like, well, that's a, that's that's an animated thing. There's no in front of the camera. That doesn't confuse people as much if you just change the voice a little bit. But then I'd, I would say stuff like Matrix, right? Matrix had three different oracles, or am I fucking that up? I think there were three different oracles mm-hmm. in the Matrix films, uh, at least two. And the idea was they addressed it with half a scene. We all moved on, and none of us gave a shit about the fact that there was a different actor yeah. playing it. In the same way, where people who are like, that doesn't make sense. They already established them. No one gives a shit that. Don Cheadle just strolls into Iron Man 2 yep, and he's like, right. yep, it's me. Let's get over it. And then we moved on with the fucking film. So I don't buy that excuse at all. No, and I'm not even making excuses, man, because I agree. I mean, they changed. You know what? I 100% agree with you. They changed Don Cheadle. And, you know, if they can change Don Cheadle out of nowhere, they can shit and change a character. Like, that's a magical motherfucker. You know, they can... They can they can say I'm a, I have a different veil now, you know. They can say that I'm I'm, I'm another spirit is taken. I don't know, man. They can they can write around it. They can they can definitely write around it that they got all this magic here. Uh, yeah, somebody in chat said they changed uh, 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 Edward Norton so and changed it to Mark Ruffalo. So yeah, man. Look, I'm not making excuses. I'm just saying I see why now that the stakes were higher with Endgame coming up. Maybe that's not the point that they really want to start changing things maybe they said let's just end this get this done with everybody's so hyped up let's not let's not throw them off and once this is done yeah we got a clean house and we got to fix some things you know so i get it man i mean but i agree on you know with i agree more with you and the people who said that they could they should fix this and they if they could fix it sooner than later yeah i'm 100 behind that it just seems like an easy fix, but it's also one that, like, the times, I think, have really moved. I mean, if you, unless you're committing hate crimes against Asians, I would say I think the Asians are having their fucking moment right now. Finally, they're yeah. getting some representation. We had a, you know, one of the biggest movies of uh, two or three years ago, Crazy Rich Asians. You have Shang-Chi finally being made. And the reason I bring that up, though, is because even that trailer for Shang-Chi, which I'm super excited about, yeah. and that is a wonderful step for diversity in the same way that Black Panther was, right? Uh, but the beginning of that trailer just makes it's like the rich and opulence of this character. And it almost feels like a superhero response to the sort of uh, um, aesthetic of super rich Asians. I gave you 10 years to live your life. Where 
did that get you? You know, they, I, listen, that's just marketing because they're pulling from a lot of things. They, they're pulling from crazy rich Asians for the optical aesthetics. They're pulling from Black Panther for the music feel of yeah. the, those trailers. So, yeah, they, they know what they're doing, man. You know, I, I don't blame them. That's business right there. But but, but that's, is that not my point, though, that it seems like the, uh, we turn this curve and we realize this is another super viable, uh, you know, market and stuff like that. And, and granted, by the way, I, I don't want to be completely ignorant to the China of it all. I understand why there are some cultural uh traffic cones to weave through there but it does feel like oh they're they're marketing this they're they're doing all of this because it is now a viable option where back in the day they could offend people and then not really address the problem at all yeah and i think that's sort of the difference in what time we're living in now yeah well i'll tell you man i i almost got shit on by some people because i said back in the day there were there were excuses being made for why they why they had to why they had to change the uh, this character from the comics, why they had to change this, and why and excuses being made on why they had to change it uh, from why they, why it couldn't be Asian, and I said, that's bullshit, that's bullshit. There's a, there's just there's there's a slight tint uh, tinge of racism behind this, and the more excuses that people make, the more racial or racist it sounded. You know, well, we want to offend this this race, this this Asian region over here, or it can't be marketable over here. And it's like, well, that you know, that sounds to me like you're saying, well, we can't make or spend money on a certain amount of of, of black people in a movie because they can't make money. You know, there's no excuses for it, man. I called bullshit on it at the time, uh, and lo and behold, today, you know, I said, like, yeah, it was. I, I sat back and I said, it's only going to be a matter of time. I said, man, listen. The moment I saw this fucking trailer come out for Shane Chi, I said, there's going to be some mention of Tilda Swinton and Doctor Strange. If nothing, there's going to be recasting news. I, you know, I said maybe an apology. I didn't know if that was coming or not. But I said, they're going to address this somehow. And sure enough, it happened, man. You know, there was, I mean, I've, I've, I've commented and complained about this, uh, this stuff for years. You know, people, like I said, I'm damn near 50 years old. I've seen the worst sides of Hollywood. And I've seen people try to defend the worst sides of Hollywood for fucking years, man. And uh, and this was one where I just said, finally, I said, no, that's complete bullshit. That's, that's, there's no excuse for it, no matter how much you try to spin this shit. Yeah, and for me, I think it's, 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 look, it might be the right thing to do and the right thing to say, but only because it's also the right thing to do for their bottom line. And I think that that's, once again, kind of the sad takeaway from this, is I don't think Kevin Feige's a bad person or anything, but no. I think it's like, no, he's going to make money from this. So now it's 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 in vogue to do and say those things when it should have been in vogue the whole time. Oh, you know, I'm looking at chat. Did that character die? Did Tilda Swinton's character die? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Didn't she like fade away in Endgame? Oh, I, I don't guess know. so. I, I, I passed out. I got to tell you. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I forgot. I, it's been, it was yeah. so, I haven't seen those movies in so long and there's so much going on. So, wow. Well, then that's easy. <laughs> well, it's an easy fix. But, that, but my point is the apology is coming after the fact, right? And my problem is if you have a film come out three years after the initial fervor and you say, yes, your feelings are valid and then do nothing to address it, that kind of shows how you actually feel about the situation. It's yeah. only now that I think we're having a moment here uh, that is also advantageous for their wallet that they seem to be doing the right thing. Wow, and thanks, Chad, for letting us know and coming in and clarifying that. Yeah, a lot of the chat is letting letting us know that uh, she died. I appreciate that, y'all. Now, you know what's funny? People are like, well, you said you liked her in Doctor Strange. It's like, yeah, like she did good in the movie. That's not the problem. You can enjoy something and also admit that it's problematic. Why can't two things be true at the same time? Like, I like that Doctor Strange movie. The character in and of itself is yeah. a character that learns mysticism and does it better than the people who practice and, and teach him. 
it's kind of an offensive, problematic character to begin yeah. with. We all roll with it, don't we? Well, at the same time, I don't want to. I just don't want to put all of the burden on the actor or the actress. I mean, you know, she was hired to do a job, and she did her job well. So I don't think. I think you can praise the the actress and say that, yeah, maybe you shouldn't take maybe you shouldn't have taken that role, but you did a good job, and you know you were doing and you were doing a job. You know you got to work too. So, but I yeah I, I'm not I'm not gonna even say I'm not that kind of person. That when I see this and I get offended, I'm like, well, fucking you know Tilda Swinton racist ass. She took that job, didn't she? I think today everybody's a little more enlightened, and so if you continue to do this shit, then yeah, there's there's a problem. But at the time, you know, I know these people were not thinking this way. Some of these, uh, some of these people are, you know, they're, they're doing whatever they kind of whatever they have to do to get a job. Some of them care. Some of them don't. I can't really judge. I can't say anything. But we know now what to do. And if you can, you know, if these people continue to make the same mistake, then yeah, now we got a problem. Right. And I do want to give credit where credit's due, because when we talk about diversity and big budget filmmaking, I truly believe Marvel is doing what the rest of Disney should be doing. And I think they've really put people in positions of power and and yeah. have and have um, boldly said, hey, like, we'll do a large cast of people of color and minorities. So, like, I want to give them all the credit in the world there. I'm not throwing the baby out with the bathwater. I would say even looking at Miss Marvel coming up, like they have done a tremendous yeah. job of trying to put their you know, their actions where their where their uh, rhetoric has been. So it's like they're doing good. I just want to see them continue that, down that trend. Yeah, and when you see these things happening, man, everybody has this takeover reaction. Oh, my God. Okay, now what do we got to do? We just got to cast black people now. We just got to cast Asians and shit. Oh, well, we just got to force more women in there. It's like, no, man, no. No, get the fuck out of here with these exaggerated arguments, man. I'm not, I'm not talking about anybody in hype. I mean, in the chat. Uh, <laughs> I'm not talking about anybody at all. No, don't think I'm going off on anyone because no one said that in the chat. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm just saying we all know that there are people who, who have that reaction. Oh, well, shit. I guess everybody's just going to start taking over Hollywood. There's no room, no room for anyone else. Yeah, blame the white male. And it's like, nah, man, no one's saying that. I've had this argument with people before. Had some little snot-nosed brat tell me back in the day when I just said one simple thing i said man it'd be great to have a little more diversity in video games it would be cool if you know i don't have to see the same kind of dude in video games it'd be kind of nice if women could see themselves in video games without having to well more of themselves in video games and when they are there not having to have big titties and big asses you know uh, and be sexualized one guy came in and was like why do you want to see yourself in fucking games man i hate one-sided black pride i'm like what's one-sided about it you know what's wrong with me saying you know i just want to see I want, I want to see myself more. I want you to be able to see yourself, too. And I say, well, all right, well, I'll tell you what. If you feel like it's no good for me to see myself, let's just change everybody into black transvestite lesbians in games and see how you fucking like it, you know, when you don't see yourself anymore. You know, people are so blind and so conditioned to think one way and that, you know, once you see one little change happening, oh, my fucking God, it's ruining everything. Shut the fuck up and be an adult. You know, looking at this right here, Disney is going in and Marvel is going in doing a great job at bringing diversity into things. And I think that's cool. I think this is one situation where you have people who are actually saying we made a mistake and that's great that people can do that. And we're fixing the problem. And we have seen them actively do that before the apology even came. Yeah, no, I, I, and that's I, that's the ultimate takeaway from it has to be like, OK, if you can't cancel people who do things that are bad, right? You have to hope that they can change. And I think that Disney has walked the walk. And I think, or not Disney, Marvel, rather. And I realize they're owned and it's a subsidiary. But I think, like, 
they have complete autonomy over their own slate. And what they've done and what they've chosen to do with that is to finally give platform uh, and signal boost. And yes, it's still going to be within their prism of making a hundred million dollar movies and stuff like that. But it's like that's not the worst thing in the world. And I think for the people who feel like any uh, inclusion of others comes at the expense of of seeing more of you, it's like that's insane. And no one's asking for that. People yeah. just want to see a little bit of equal representation when we can. And it's weird that superhero films got there long before regular cinema of Marty and uh, Darren Bowder are talking about. Right? There was such yeah. a discrepancy there. And I love Marty. Not a lot of black characters in his films. And when they are there, they're not the most sympathetic characters. That, you know what? I don't mind if somebody – I never hold it against somebody to be forced to put a certain amount of representation in their movies. I don't think they need to – no one owes anybody anything. You put your experience in a movie. If you want to make a movie with only white people in it, then do that. I don't care, man. You know, that's your, that's your experience. That's your vision of the world. I say you're exactly right. The problem is – if you come in, all right, you decide to bring in some diversity in there, another person of color or, or woman or whatever. Uh, if you bring in a very ignorant view, a stereotype of that character or that person, then that's when I have a problem with that. You know, Woody Allen, I never thought anybody needed to put any kind of any kind of anybody in their movies. There are people who say, well, how come Woody Allen don't put black people in movies? I'm like, why should Woody Allen have to put black people in movies just to please you? You know, that that that's not right. But then he made Mighty Aphrodite. He put the first black chick in his movie, and she's a fucking prostitute. I'm like, okay, all right, you know what? I, now, now that says something to me about Woody Allen and how he sees the world, you know? Right. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't want to keep uh, beating the dead horse here. What I would say about it is that uh, I'm a little disquieted that the, the fact that change usually only gets done when it's financially advantageous to do that. I yeah. think that's a little depressing. But like I've said this a billion times since we started the, doing the show, I really don't care the reasons why people do the right thing so long as they do the right thing. And it does feel like we are very slowly moving the goalpost on that. Yeah. No, I agree with you 100 percent on that, man. That's a good way to end that that topic right there. Also, a good way to end the topic is with some ads. Take a break, y'all. Go get some water. Go get some tea. Go take a piss. We'll be right back. Oh, where are we right now? All right. Well, let's get a little lighter there's, around. There's a really here. interesting Look. comment in the in the chat. I just I want to hear what you have to say about this. It's like, to be honest, I don't feel any black pride from seeing someone with my skin color on screen. They're still not me. And I do want to hear what you have to say about that, but I would say it's sort of the point is that um, the way Spanish and black people have been presented a lot of times in mainstream films are as villains or criminals or drug dealers or something like that. So it is this refreshing thing. I, I'm not expecting you to watch the film and then swell with pride merely because there's a black man in a superhero costume. But like I, I do think it's important to, to look at that and, and realize that it is a significant thing to see, especially for kids who grow up seeing, oh, we're, we're heroes, we're not villains. Like, that's a really important thing, right? Yeah, if you, I mean, if that's what you, if, I think that's a short-sighted way of looking at things. Very short-sighted way of looking at things. It's not only a matter of, you, you, you'll be surprised at how much representation enforces your self-image. And now you're gonna probably say, well, you shouldn't be getting your image from a TV show anyway. But those images, our reflection of society and how society feels about you. That's why a lot of times you see <laughs> people talk about how, how can movies change things? How can TV shows change things? Usually they, are, they, they reflect the shifts in society. They, should, they reflect the real feelings of society. 
when I grew up as a kid and I saw that there were certain images that the images that I was limited to, you know, I was limited to being stereotypes such as, you know, the anything as harsh as, you know, the usual uh, thugs, pimps, and criminals and whatnot, to, oh, you always have to be the funny person. You always have to be relegated to a comedy. Oh, we can't spend this much money on you, so when you do get represented in movies, it's going to be some cheap shit, but all these other people are going to get a lot more money. That goes to show, it reflects society's view of how my self-worth is. And a lot of people who did not, that is why people showed up for Black Panther, man. Because finally we got, not only did we see ourselves as heroes, we got, we got to see ourselves as kings, we got to see ourselves as superheroes, we got to see ourselves all those things where they actually put money behind it. That's a, if you can't understand, I know a lot of people still today like, motherfucker, they're going to see Black Panther. Well, I mean, what, it's just another superhero movie. Okay, I understand. But to us, it was an indication that that was a, pro, that was a progression. You spent $200 million to represent us in a movie that was mostly of people that look like us. You know, it's nothing that's gonna change the world all of a sudden, it's nothing that's gonna stop racism, but people celebrated that moment because we didn't have it and it just felt good. That's all, <laughs> you know? And no, I got to go see that movie on the premiere day at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. Spike Lee and Ryan Coogler were there, and let me tell you, it was a fucking moment. And I'm literally getting goosebumps talking about it right now because I remember so vividly the palpable feeling of fucking pride that was in the air. It was amazing. It was one of like the best theater experiences I've ever had. Yeah. And I think that, like there felt like a cathartic moment that these people had waited for for, for fucking ever. And then yeah. finally they got it. I mean, when we were growing up, the joke was the black dude always dies first. And we laughed about it because we said, you know what? These white people don't think we shit. So they're going to kill us off. I mean, it got to a point where it was so sad. It was so demeaning. It was so hurtful that all we could do is just laugh about it. You know, I mean, that's where that came from. It's like, well, fuck, our self-worth is so little. They're just going to kill us off. They don't give a fuck. You know, that's it. Yeah, and by the way, from. just as a little addendum to the last conversation, too, it's like when they included the token black person to be killed first, they thought they were being progressives. They thought they were, not, yeah. you know, doing the right thing. So it's like clearly, you know, like societal standards change all the time. Yeah, that is why representation is important. It's just not like, wow, look at me. I'm on the screen. It's way, it is way bigger than that. And I'm not talking down to this person that asked that because obviously you probably didn't know. But I hope that cleared things up for you. Representation is very important, man. Uh, it's it, Psychologically, it could actually have an effect on you. That's why when people got mad at me about my review of Belly, I was like, I don't give a fuck when Belly was made, man. I saw it today, and what I saw were, um, was a movie that was actually praised by black people because they thought like well that is us and that's who we are and that is you know and that's and we were conditioned to think like oh you know what uh we're badasses when we're all criminals and we're all thugs and we're all niggas and we're all you know that we're trained to think that you know that's why when i saw that movie i was like wow this is a fucking this is this is a uh this is a social experiment to just put in front of us and say hey look this is what we we love this shit so much that this is because uh, because we've been conditioned to think that's who we are you know uh we if you put a movie with us as uh as as, as royalty or if you are you put a movie us up as cowboys or something we'll be like oh that's some white man shit that ain't us you know and it's like nah that is us that's been us yeah, you know, and it's uh, here's a, here's a, like one thing. So Kugler gave the Q and A afterwards, and I thought this was like a really beautiful story about like the movie that made him want to make films, and it was Malcolm X by Spike Lee. 
And if you remember, like the first hour of that movie, he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't look like Malcolm X. He doesn't have the the glasses or any of that shit. You know what I'm saying? Not really. But there's a moment yeah. where he puts the glasses on. And Ryan Coogler was talking about watching that movie with his father. And his father like got wide eyed and was like, there he is. You know, like that moment of seeing a hero to him. And then he wanted to replicate that when he did Black Panther. It's just like that moment where you just well up with pride. And I was like, mission accomplished. You nailed it, man. Yeah. Yeah, man. That was that. You know, I'm yeah, I'm really pushing more and more as things are changing. I'm really pushing more and more for the positive images out there. I mean, you know, struggle is that's 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 a part of us, man. That's a part of our culture. So we're always going to have that there. Probably going to be rare that you see something where that's for a while. That's not going to be something that is an issue or something that's brought up but you know it's who we are but at the same time it's like man i just i've seen the effects of how of how uh, uh, representation has affected us not from the lack of it but from you know the way that when we're all put together the way we're represent the way we're represented there you know we have mostly black movies as i said you know we are calling each other niggas most of the time we're killing each other uh we're having to be funny and celebrate our ignorance or we just have to like watch what lines we we, we cross you know it's like well we can't do this and we can't do that because that's not going to make as much money you know don't kiss a white woman in here because oh interracial relationships don't do well on screen and whatnot there's still limitations to what we do and rep and representation and how and whether it's lack of or whether it's full of it here in the wrong way has a way of affecting how people are. Like I said, that's why I think of representation so strongly because I've seen to where we praise ourselves for for killing each other and and being ignorant. I had so many people after we were done with our Soul Plane uh, review, not recently, but back in the day when it came out. And we did our review and we were talking about how ignorant this is. And people, we actually had people say, but that's who we are. And I was like, no, mm -hmm. that's not. That is not who we are. You mean we're ignorant to the point that we can't even run a fucking airline without getting ghettoized with it? That's what white people see as making money as. That's not us. You know, and so I, that's, that is why. And if somebody said, what do you feel about the boondocks? I'm at, I'm at odds with people in the boondocks. I love the boondocks. I think the boondocks is some of the best storytelling on television as far as uh, bringing issues up and doing it as a satire while also making a point. But the boondocks, if you really want to know the, my thing about the boondocks, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think the boondocks kind of almost exploits the N-word. You know, like you've heard me say it, I had no problem saying it. I don't. You want to say it once per show, fine. I don't have, I, look, I can't give you a quote on how many times you say the N-word, so I don't think I'm doing that. But for me, it, it was just too much. And as I said, Adult Swim, almost everything that they've done with black people on Adult Swim has been some either a, a, a show full of saying the N-word or has been some some shit where it's like, you know, stereotypical images. Even 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 if it's satire, fine. But I'm like, it just seemed like a bunch of hipsters over there who were cool with saying like, hey, look, we can, we can have black people say the N-word over here and, and we can't say it, but we got them saying it and we can still be edgy. I'm like, yeah, man. Fuck out of here with that. Uh, At the same time, you 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 tell me all the time your displeasure for these slave movies, which like I get, but uh, you haven't seen. Have you seen Steve McQueen's new th or no Barry Jenkins's new thing on Amazon? The no, but I hear uh, it's good. The Real Underground yeah, Railroad. I hear it's good. Fucking wonder. It's so good and and like unflinching and not a fun show to watch. I'm not saying get your boys together and get a couple beers or anything, but it's like. 
it, it, you said something earlier. It's like, yes, there's going to be trauma and there's going to be struggle. And that's going to be a part of your story. But it's not the defining characteristic of your story. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And so yeah. I think like that's what it's only been exclusively for so long. And we're, we're sort of encroaching those beaches now, finally, and all the other parts of entertainment. Yeah, I'll take I'll check it out. I'll check it. out. I was asking somebody in the chat, by the way. Uh, no, but don't get me wrong. Boondocks actually love. They've done some amazing things on that show. Um, all right. Let, speaking of shows, let's switch gears. Let's get a. Uh, let's get let's, let's let's get lighter right here. You know, we've been so heavy. We get heavy every show. Let's take a break. Let's end with something fun. <laughs> let's end with murder, death, kill. Yeah. Modoc. Whoa. <laughs> 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 uh, the latest Marvel show on Hulu. Oh shit! Marvel's been kicking ass with these shows out here. I, yes, a Marvel show, as in a Marvel property, but not on Disney. This one's on Hulu. So this one's not as uh, this was not part of the Marvel universe. So they get to get out there and get as silly as they want to. This is the animated show from the people who produce Robot Chicken, and you watch what the first three episodes. First two episodes, yeah. First two episodes, I watched one because I didn't have Hulu and I just finally broke down and got it today. Yeah, <laughs> so you saying, made me like, get Hulu. It was interesting when you texted me that. You're like, I don't have Hulu. And I'm like, wow, so now we know where he stands on the streaming wars. Yeah, I mean, I watch so much stuff and then I get screeners from Hulu. Uh, yeah. I have an actual site that I go to and I went there to see if they had MODOK and they say, yeah, fuck you. So I had to go ahead and buy it <laughs> or get a subscription. And was the money well spent? We'll see. Time to change the world by bringing it to its knees. Attack! The future is MODOK! MODOK! And do you know what MODOK stands for? Mental organism designed only for killing. For killing. <laughs> so, I know you were looking forward to this. Go ahead, man. Kick it off. Oh, man, I, let me just tell you, we talk all the time about the fact that I'm 31 going on 70 and I hate everything these days, but I did not hate MODOK. MODOK was very interesting right out of the gate because it felt very different from any of the other stuff that we have in Marvel, right? Because I, I would say this, we talk all the time, but the Marvel stuff that I really love the most is, is the stuff that has a lot of love for the lore, but is able to stand up and be its own thing. That's why I love Winter Soldier the most. That's why I love Guardians of the Galaxy the most, because they get to do their own thing while living in the sandbox. MODOK does that so effectively, where there is so much love in almost every scene to the larger MCU, um, mm -hmm. but it feels like it's, it's walking its own direction, doing things that none of these other shows have done. Um, super funny, and I know you didn't watch the second episode, but the first episode's like funny, but I didn't feel a lot of heart there. The second episode goes hard. Like, it's really, really good writing. That's my initial responses. Coleman, what did you think of the pilot, man? Great voice work by the cast, especially Patton Oswalt. But I know this, you know, this has a huge and great animation. I love Robot Chicken, man. Robot Chicken, I just got back into. I recently just got cable again because I miss Adult Swim. And one of the things I miss on there is robot chicken so as being a being a fan of the animation and that humor it's like all right let me go ahead and watch this and see how the voice casting is here and then, you know a lot of people here john ham is iron man and nathan fillion as wonder man in here uh, uh you know there's a lot of other people here man ben schwartz does a voice here and you know i i i think that this works better and i can't really give it a, a full review i can only go by 
what I saw in the first episode. First episode being the setup, you know, this is funny because it might sound like I'm backtracking on everything I just said because I'm talking about how much I love these voice actors, how much I love Robot Chicken, how much I love Marvel. And I feel like this is something where it is one long Robot Chicken episode of, <laughs> of, of Marvel or making fun of Marvel, which is not a bad thing. You know, I'm just saying that this is, this is you know, I see this kind of humor all the time. You know, it's, it's very adult, very violent in a, in a very, again, satirical way. But is it fun? Yeah. Yeah, I think they, I think what's going to happen here is that I'm going to have to see, get past all of the humor that I, that I think I see all the time and see what kind of writing is behind it. Maybe, and it may, may, I might be talking too crazy for, you know, a, a cartoon about MODOK, but I have to see what kind of emotion is behind it. You know, I think for me, and what you're saying is promising, I think it's going to have to be more than just the gag-driven episode that I saw beforehand, because I get sure. that kind of humor in a lot of places. I get this humor in American Dad. I get it on Robot Chicken all the time. I get this kind of humor on, on Rick and Morty. You know, it's very uh, it's it's a show that's very edgy to the point where there's always uh, some sort of uh, hum humorous death that's done all in a very violent and humorous death that's done every five minutes. You know, I see this on I see this brand of humor all the time. And Modoc definitely is doing the same thing. You know, where some of these other shows like Rick and Morty with Excel beyond that is that, man, for a moment, they do get to some kind of weird or dark emotional level. Yeah. And if this can uh, do that, then that's that's great. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I, look, it could completely fall off after the second episode, but the second episode is the one that got me really excited. I even texted you after I saw it and was like, hey, you don't need to watch this. But yeah. Like, very, very promising stuff where I wasn't really expecting that because, yeah, you said earlier, it's like it's Modoc. Like, why why are we expecting emotions yet? I promise you, like there is a really strong emotional undercurrent that starts in the second episode. Um, and I, the bigger takeaway from this, though, is we've seen Marvel do so many different types of TV adaptations, right? Like, I think that they have almost mm -hmm. three separate universes. You got the Marvel Netflix stuff, right? The the, the Defenders and and uh, uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage and. Uh, he who shall not be named. And then, of course, the Punisher. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like you got that and you have some of the uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff with like uh, Agent Carter and then obviously the titular Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And then even Hulu has tried to throw their hat in the ring. Right. They did Hellstrom and the Runaways and they were going to do a couple more animated stuff. And all of those got canceled. The only one that didn't was Modoc. Uh, so I just think like the reason for that is that it's doing things that none of the other shows can do tonally. And yes, it's a little immature in its humor at times and it's a little ultra violent for no reason. But there is an emotional undercurrent under there that two episodes in, I'm like, oh, no, I'm going to sit down and watch this this whole weekend. Like that's all yeah. I'm doing because I yeah. do think the writing is that good. Yeah, well, you got me excited for it. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not talking bad about this because I did enjoy it, you know, yeah. but. but it was something like I enjoy this on the same level of these things that I've seen before. What really, for me, maybe in the first episode, made above average is that, you know, as somebody who watches a lot of Marvel stuff and getting back into Marvel comics now and everything, you know, there's a lot of Easter eggs, references here that is, makes this a little more special for the Marvel fan or the comic book fan out there. So that's cool. But, you know, like I said, I, I, this is one episode. And the one episode I thought, good. I didn't think it was awesome. I didn't think it was great. I thought this is good. I'm enjoying this. I, you know, I'm I'm getting some chuckles out of this. Like I said, I love the animation. I get the references. The, you know, it's it's great for me. Uh, but like I said, man, you know, a brand of humor that is very, very. And I watch too many shows probably where they, you know, they they're doing the same thing. But it made me want to watch another one. That's so that's that's something. 
Yeah, yeah, pilots are always notoriously tricky, and I would uh, dare you, other than maybe The Walking Dead, to name one show where the pilot's the best episode of a show. Like, it doesn't happen but ordinarily. So oh, that's Breaking like Bad? That's <laughs> uh, a pretty good one, too. Uh, no, so so I would say that the thing that really kind of interested me, because they didn't really show it so much in the previews, at least not in my estimation, was how much of it is, like, sort of a workplace comedy, like, and a home life comedy it just seems like this could be like home improvement or some shit marvel universe but it ends up feeling yeah. more like uh the office like it feels like it, there's almost this mockumentary camera crew aspect to it and so you do get the kind of like uh, sitcom formula version of a workplace comedy but all the emotional currents are coming through the home life you and know they what, do that, a pretty good split with that starting episode two yeah you know they they get right with this because they tried to do a couple of superhero workplace comedies on TV and they didn't work out too well. So this one actually does. And I didn't see those, so I can't really compare But it sounds like it works better than those shows did. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I cannot give it a rating because I didn't get, I mean, it's what, how many episodes? I believe there's 10 episodes in the first season, 10 episodes. I only saw one. Can't judge this by the first episode at all. I definitely want to watch some others, at least watch two or three others to you know, make a, make a, a, a more, you know, informed opinion about this, but enjoyed it, man. You know, if, I mean, if I had to if, listen, if this episode was on its own by itself and there was nothing else and I had to absolutely give it a rating, I would probably say a low matinee. You know, it's good. Uh, I would go a little bit higher, um, but that's maybe because I really like the second episode and I'm now I'm giving some of the credibility up to that one. But I would say it's it's like a high matinee for me. I really, really enjoyed it. And I think like I would ask you watch a couple more episodes and let's check back into it because I do think that you're going to like it. And I think people would like to hear what we have to say when we have the full, complete picture question. Ben. Yeah. So you are saying that you really enjoyed this and you were looking forward to this, but you didn't go full price. Why? Well, I didn't go full price because if you're, I haven't seen the rest of it. And uh, I think we got to be really careful about that, right? Because if I full price something and then it completely falls apart, that's my critical like uh, ass on the line. Uh, the, the truth is, like, there's always room for improvement. What I saw from that second episode was such a marked uh, improvement on the first one already that I think, like, if it's trending that direction, it's going to be good. But it's it's not a perfect show at all, and some people are going to be off put by the humor. And that's why yeah. I say, like, try to give it at least two episodes because if you are you know, remember when, like, Tarantino did Kill Bill and he put all the samurai shit in the first yeah. one and then he put all the Western shit in the second one? And yeah. it was like people who liked the talky Tarantino movies loved the second Kill Bill uh, yeah. as opposed to the first one, which is all action. So I, I'm just saying that I think they're both very good for different reasons, but they're different vibes. And I want people to be able to see both of them. Yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. No, I definitely want to watch this. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's something that is in the humor in there. It's it's the. I might say I've seen this before, but the, the humor is written very well. So, yeah, I recommend people if, you know, I mean, if superheroes are not your thing right now, uh, even with this being a satire, I don't think this is going to like win you over. But for those of you who uh, definitely if you're fans of Adult Swim type stuff or if you're a fan of satire of superhero stuff, then this is this is uh, this is very funny. All right, people, I got to go real quick, but I'll be seeing you guys soon. See you tomorrow on What Do You Know, the trivia show of Double Toasted. And I will see you at some point, man. Yeah, I mean, you got my number. You can call me whenever. I'm all lonely, looking at my phone, waiting for the Casey and the Sunshine Band song to start playing. That's your official ringtone. Is that my ringtone? Yeah. You know what? 
I speaking of rain tones, you had your alarm set to show you the woo woo woo, but now it happen. went off. No, it just went off, and I had to silence it because you were in the middle of a poignant point oh, about Black Panther earlier. Oh, so shut the fuck up, Siri. Oh, all right, I have to get you the woo 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 next time. All, all right, right, man. Well, we have to go right now. We'll we'll see you tomorrow. I won't be around, but Corey Bot will be here. I'll check in on you every now and then. Uh, let me see here, folks. I would love to read some emails, but I do have to run. So, Christian Torres, thank you. Thank you. And I definitely want to thank you all in the chat right now for being here today and looking at what we do. And people guessed right. We gave Modoc a, a matinee. Oh, they got it. Nice. Yeah, they got it. Nice. Very nice. We're just predictable. One of the two. <laughs> I'm going to go with predictable. You know us too well. All right, folks. That is it. So, we'll see you tomorrow on What Do You Know? If you want to be a contestant on that show, you know where to send an email to. Or send an email for anything on your mind. Kcoolmans at, oh, shit, let me, it would help I turn up my music. I can't play, you know, email bumper without the proper email bumper music. Get your bumping and grinding. Kcoolmans at gmail.com. That's K-C-O-O-L-M-A-N-Z. At gmail.com. Email us when you got any questions, comments, comments, insults, and bananas. Hit us up on the Instagram, the Twitter, and Facebook. Just type in all that information right there. Memorize it. Love it. But damn it, you got to use it. And if you're using it, distracting me with all your kind words and emails, Christian Torres. Find me on Instagram at Christian.Monster, Facebook, Christian L.A. on Torres. And I know some of you, but it, I really, my mission in life is to know every single one of you. So please come find me. And please do not find me if your ass is sick because you didn't get that vaccine. Get that vaccine up in you. And then we can talk. But if you have plans for Austin, I'll hear those. Tell you what, kcoolmans at gmail.com. You email me there with any of your plans for Austin. Whether you are moving here or just passing through, I safely once again want to hang out with you. All right, everybody, that is it. Good night, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whenever you are listening to, I don't know, you might be watching this. Goodbye and stay toasty. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. Boom, I got to University of Maryland Global Campus was established to bring a respected state university education to working adults at home and abroad. 70 years ago, we sent professors overseas to educate service members and their families on military installations and on the front lines. Today, we're online because that's where working adults need us, that's where you need us. We'll support your commitment to being a successful student with services that fit your lifestyle, and we offer more than 90 programs and specializations for where you are and where you want to be. University of Maryland University College is now University of Maryland Global Campus. We go the distance because times have changed, but what we're made for hasn't. UMGC offers online support for veterans, including resources at the Veterans Resource Center, no-cost digital materials replacing most textbooks, virtual advising, transfer credits, and lifetime career services. Speak to our dedicated military and veterans advisors who can help you find the right degree for your career path. Visit umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV. 
Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.